Hey, my name is Tony. I'm a great recovering alcoholic and drug addict. I'll give my full. My sobriety date is 12307. I'm truly grateful for that, man. And it's an honor and a privilege to be here with y'all tonight. Now, like Steve said, I have done this a few times, and I do it in other formats and, and different ways. And for some reason, man, this time has just been a, a little different. You know, I generally can get sort of, some sort of feel, some sort of something that kind of leads me in a direction. But today, it's just not. I just cannot be, be able to bring myself to get there. And I know only through God that's possible. So I, as I pray right now that uh, just more of God and less of me. In Jesus Christ's precious name. So I'm one of these people, man, that deals with a lot of questions. I don't know about y'all. There's always questions in my head over and over again. Can we get the slide, the slide up, please? All these questions and questions over in my head. And, uh, you know, during this Lent process that we go through uh, the Beatitudes and the study that we've been doing here at church, these questions just double. I mean, they just double. Now, I can never understand, a lot of the books that are so important to me, why does everything seem so backwards? You know, uh, to, you have to, you have to um, give up to receive. You have to die to be alive. Everything just doesn't make much sense. So when I look at these Beatitudes, they really, this, man, this is really, so Melissa's doing a study and I'm listening to all this, you know, and I sit here in church, and I said this last week, I'm a real good head nodder. You know, I'll sit here and nod as if I understand and I believe what you're saying. It's like an inside amen, but I can be a very dishonest head, you know. Because <laughs> a lot of times I don't understand. A lot of times I have these questions. You know, when I was growing up and as I got into, um, started coming to church and a lot of things happened to get me there, um, I was scared of a lot of that. I was scared to, like, let God know that I had questions. I was definitely scared to let y'all know that I had questions. What will y'all think of me? <laughs> I don't understand the Beatitudes. There must be something wrong with me. I must not be a good Christian. I know that might sound far-fetched. But in reality, that's the way I feel sometimes. Like there's always these eyes of judgment upon me. Like if I don't look right over in my little corner, y'all are going to think different of me. So one of these Beatitudes um, that's, you know, that really makes sense of this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Not honestly. Do any of y'all thought that was the right way to do it? <laughs> Have we all kind of been taught you need to be strong in spirit, strong in faith, or God's going to smite you? That might not have been y'all, but that's always for me. He's going to smite me. Something bad is going to happen if my faith's not right, if I'm not feeling right, if I'm not acting right, then God's going to make something terrible happen in my life. So how do we make sense of that? The poor in spirit... This goes against everything I thought y'all were teaching me. So I just sit here in church and nod my head. Nod my head. I understand. I get it. But in reality, a lot of times I don't get it. I really don't understand. There's another one. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, come on now. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. 
Does that make any sense at all? So what, God? You want me, the only time I can be okay is when after somebody died or after I lose somebody close to me, that means that's okay. That means that's the right way that I can be blessed. I was looking for the blessing like, bless are those who have a good job and have enough money to buy a house and buy a car. That's the kind of, you know, what I was looking for. Those are the blessings that normally run around this mind. And that's generally how I look through life for a long time. Always through outside. Always through the outside. Thank goodness for Mercy Street, the program Alcoholics Anonymous, and all y'all, that my insides now are more important than my outside. So where does all this come from? You know, how does all this um, conflict, these questions that run around in my head, where does it all start? For me, and I'm going to read something, and you know, uh, uh, in recovery, we have a lot of things that we talk about, way too many things to try to run in your head and out of your head, but this is a basic principle that we have in recovery. And this principle is about our core beliefs. I'm going to read it, then I'm going to talk about it. It says, core beliefs are basic beliefs about ourselves, other people, and the world we live in. They are things we hold to be absolute truths deep down underneath all our surface thoughts. Essentially, core beliefs determine how you perceive and interpret the world. They sit in the basement of your mind. Well, I can see where there could be a lot of conflict there. You know, I was uh, you know, raised a certain way. I lived in a certain area. I had certain parents. I live in America, which has a certain culture. And so I have a lot of these beliefs that are just buried down in me that I just believe firmly. Like, this is the way it is. And for a long time, if you didn't agree with what I thought it was the way it is, then it was a problem. And I go through this process over and over again, especially in a place like the church. This is one of the hardest places to be real. Now, we're blessed to be here at Mercy Street. We have a special thing going on here, but this is the first church I really felt okay to be real at, to be open, to be honest, to let you know who I really am, and not worry so much about being smited, to just know that God loves me. But these core religious beliefs, man, they, I believe they cause a lot of the pain that we have in our country today and in ourselves. And if I believe certain things and you're not living up to especially something like this. So this is the funny thing about religion. We can say it's the funny thing about God or even Jesus. What I found is that I can use that. I can use this, this, this great, beautiful power, this spirit that lives inside all of us. I can use it for my own and not even recognize that I'm doing it by controlling you. If you would just believe how I believe. And a lot of churches, if you don't believe how they believe, they're going to politely ask you to leave. Or at least that's what I felt. You know, it had to be this way. It had to be that way. And I was, as a kid, I was always so thrown off by this. You know, you roll down any street, you go down Gessner, there's like seven or eight churches on Gessner alone. And they're all saying different things. And like, how do you make sense of all this? What is this all leading to? And for a person like me, you know, all these questions, questions, questions. You know, it was tough as a kid. It got even harder as I got older. 
It got really hard when I got in my addiction. I mean, those questions get louder and louder and louder. And I hold on to these core beliefs even stronger and stronger and stronger. Because a lot of times, as a friend of mine said, that's all that I have. If I let go of that, there will be nothing else left. And so sometimes I will personally will use God like that. You know, I had somebody share something the other day in a meeting I thought it was beautiful. They said, you know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're, you're praying about something, you're asking God about something, and, you know, you're talking over people, and one of your friends says, hey, man, you know, God said this about you, or he made the same comment that you were thinking about in your head, and all of a sudden you say, hey, that must be God's will. It could be. Or you could have a stupid friend. <laughs> See, that never occurs to me. Because in my head, if it sounds good to me, then it must be God's will. And I'll run with that. And I'll use it every day so often to justify my feelings and at times my poor behavior. I'm actually going to need this water. My mouth has gotten real dry. Steve's making jokes about addiction. I don't know if any of y'all have ever smoked marijuana, man. This same thing kind of happens. So when things come crashing in life, and wish they will. You know, I had this illusion when I got my life together, when I got things right, that things were just going to work out. If I could only stop doing this, if I could only stop doing that, then everything was going to be okay. Because that was one of my core beliefs. My core beliefs were one of the main ones like, this is what it means to be a man. This is what it means to be an adult. And all these other things that I said, this is what it means, this is what it means, this is what it means. So I thought by having everything in order, that meant everything's going to be okay. I knew it. I figured once I cleaned up all this mess, life's just going to be grand. It hasn't turned out like that. It hasn't. You know, what life gives me is a new problem every day. And what y'all give me is a solution to that problem. And I have to remember that. Because I have things inside of me to just pull me one direction or the other. Or we'll have some things like to happen to us that are just seem so unfair. I got a message today. Uh, one of my good friends, he's an old merchant streeter. Some of y'all might know him, maybe I don't. He was around years ago. His name is Blaine Monger. I met Blaine with the Salvation Army. He ended up working for me when I was there as a manager many years ago. This was about 19 years ago. Blaine got an accident on his uh, electric skateboard, and they were pulling him off life support today. And if y'all know some of our stories, if you knew his story, I love Blaine, but Blaine was just, he was something else. He had a hard time doing, you know, the not drinking part of sobriety. It was, it was a little tough for him, that not drinking part. So we have all these amazing stories that we would share with each other, man, and things that we have escaped from. And a lot of y'all have been, you know, have had these experiences in your own life. Like, how are we even alive? And I found out, you know, he died because he wrecked on an electric skateboard. You know, free. Blaine had gone to college here, and um, he studied very, very hard to be a dentist. But because of his past, they wouldn't allow it. So he puts all this work into school, and they tell him no. So he has to go back to school, and he becomes a nurse. 
And Blaine's been living as a nurse, having this life together, and, you know, it's just, I just don't get it. So how do I, in my mind, in my spirit, rationalize that with God's love? How do we make those things make sense? You know, just things that go on in our everyday life. In the job that I do here at Merce Street and the work I do in other places, I get to talk to a lot of people. I am blown away by what folks are dealing with. A lot of times we see folks around us all the time and they seem to be okay and they're talking and have maybe a little smile on their face and then you get to hear their backstory and you're like, man, I, you know, I, I don't even understand. How do people treat each other like that? How do we make sense of all that? I, I just, I mean, we hear some of the most awful things and we just walk around and carry it. A lot of times we don't want to share it, we don't want to talk about it, we just walk around as if everything's okay. And, you know, um, it gets real hard. You know, I love Jesus Christ, but let me tell you, it gets real hard. You know, well, how does it have to be this way? Why does all this pain have to go on, you know? If we could just have a picture, a video of what's going on in our lives around this room, you know, we probably couldn't even take it. Some of us here sit here in some real pain. And if you're ever in that pain, please come find me. We can talk about it. Because I've been in that pain as well. So as I'm, you know, trying to make all this make sense. And for years, I thought I had to. I thought this had to make sense, Tony. Your job is to get these questions answered so you know what to do. And we read scriptures and we hear things we're like, God, why won't you just make it simple? Why do you speak in all these poems and these parables, God? Why won't you just tell me what I need to do? Make all of this make sense. I think he kind of chuckles when we do that. He's like, Tony, that's part of the journey. I know the mistake that I've always made is when I think I made sense of it. So I was, I've said this story a lot. I'm going to repeat it again. So I got saved in Harris County Jail. That's funny because it is, but it's true. It's true. Something happened to me that was so amazing that I never thought would happen. I couldn't believe it. Like, oh, y'all are saying these things, whatever, whatever. And I had friends that were telling me the stories about being saved, like, la, la, blah, 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 blah. That's not, I don't know if I actually believe that. I'll believe in God. I don't think I'm ever going to feel that experience. Well, I had that experience. And it was amazing. And I knew something was different. I knew it. Our founder of AA said he had a similar experience to Paul. Bill was knocked down by a light. He got up, and something told him that everything was different. And he didn't know what it was, but even when people looked at him, they knew something was different. And I had one of those experiences where I know, for me, regardless of what anybody else believes, what you think, what you don't think, Jesus is real to me. So that's such a wonderful thing to learn and understand and really be sure of. But wait, 
Now we have all these questions. If you're real, why this? Why that? Make it make sense. You know, why did my dad leave? I mean, why? Jesus explained that to me. How does a man walk away and leave his son? So these questions, these questions, these questions, they build and they build and they build. I'm going to have Crystal come read the scripture for tonight. Y'all give her a hand. Ecclesiastes 3.11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. And Matthew 6.22. Your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body fills up with light. Thank you, Crystal. I find a lot of peace in those scriptures. You know, I've been on this journey, man, and what y'all keep teaching me is like, Tony, quit looking for the answers. Quit getting to the trying to find the end. Live in the mystery. Now I hear Jesus telling me that. Tony, live in the mystery. Well, Jesus, one of the hardest things I ever faced, you know, was here at Mercy Street. How do I live in the mystery of this, Jesus? We had a young lady, you know, we watch her come out of jail, get her kid back, see her come here week after week, and it wasn't an easy, easy road here. She had to get on the bus with her baby and make it here week after week after week. She came to our meeting. She was celebrating 11 months. The look and the smile on her face was amazing. By now, her family had gotten back with her. Every now and then, she let her use the car so she could get here to church. Man, we, we feel so much joy. To see where she came from, to see where she is today, man, that's what we, how we know Jesus is real. And that was a beautiful night. Two days later, this young lady's at an apartment. So she got herself together, got her own apartment, got her own job, went to meetings every night with her baby. So anybody out there saying you can't make meetings because your kids, I don't really want to hear it. <laughs> I'm a single dad as well. I, I know that walk. And so she, um, the reason why there was a lot of chaos and drama, I only she have addiction, she had somebody that she thought loved her. And this person was told to never find out where she lived. But this person had a mother. And of course, the mother doesn't see us in a way that maybe the world sees us, and the mother did not understand that what the course was asking was real. So the mother told her son where she was. So after she had 11, uh, 11 months sober on Saturday night, Monday, he went over there Monday morning, and he shot and killed her, and he killed himself in front of that little girl. How do you make sense of this? You know, we come here, we worship God every week, we try to make sense of all of this. And sometimes we like to push these thoughts out of our mind because we don't want to think anything negative because if we think anything negative, for me, he's going to smite me. I can't ask him the question. 
I can't wonder what he's doing because if I do, that means I'm sacrilegious or you must not really love Jesus or you don't have strong enough faith. With all these crazy thoughts that run through my mind, they're just there. So I push it to the side and I pretend like it's not happening as it relates to my feelings towards Jesus. I have some wise men and women who raised me um, since I've been getting sober. and They said, Tony, it's all life. Every bit of it. All the hurt, all the pain, all the bad things that happened, the deaths, whatever it is, that's what we call life. See, I want to live in this place that's not really life. I want to live in this place of a non-reality place where everything is all good. Especially in my world, especially in my heart, I do all, I'm doing all the right things. I'm acting all the right ways. You know, I'm living up. You know, Michelle, I check off the checkbox. And some of y'all might not know what that is, but in recovery, we do we have these checkboxes that we don't have and we have in our, in our mind. Did you go to your meeting? Did you talk to your sponsor? Did you work the steps? Did you call another alcoholic? Are you coming to church? Do you pray? Do you meditate? And man, I can check out those boxes, man, and it makes me feel good. God, I'm alive. In reality, makes me feel okay, but it doesn't change life. It definitely helps life but it doesn't change life. See, I've been so scared and so much fear of like walking into what really is life. The things that we deal with on a daily basis that I try to run from, that I want to be a part of, that I try to block out of my mind, man, it's all life. So when this young lady died, this good friend of mine, he actually works here in the kitchen, which is amazing. This is, this, I'm going to go to his little side here. So we were really bad crackheads. I'm sorry to say this on a church stage, but that's the truth. And me and this kid, we met each other at Salvation Army 19 years ago, and he was another one that couldn't, he didn't get that first part of the first step is that, you know, you can't take one drink. Took him a minute to get that. He's been sober now 11 years. He's an amazing young man. His name is Steve. So I'm all in all this pain dealing with these thoughts of this young lady dying and asking God, crying out, God, make sense to me. He said, Tony, God doesn't make sense of all of it. He just asks us a question. I said, Steve, you know, what, what's that question, Steve? I, I just don't get it. He says, Tony, do you trust me? And I want to get the argument about this, but trust him? What do you mean, God, trust you? How do things like this happen? In church, they tell me you make all things good. Steve said, Tony, he says, trust him. See, I believe there's things that are going on right now that we can't see, that we can't feel. It's being worked out. And what I know in my own personal life, the crazier it is, is the more it's being worked out. Man, I have um, been through a lot and my, uh, my recovery and my life and things that I've done and things that have been done to me. And it's tough at times to um, believe that things are being worked out. So I'm, uh, some of y'all know this, a few months ago, I'm just walking along, everything's great, guys. I'm telling you, I'm in the best shape of my life. And I'm not just saying that, some of y'all know me. I used to be 275 pounds. I put on a little weight since I've gotten sick, but I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna work on that. 
but I got down under 100 pounds from that. I got down to somewhere about 175, 180, man, and I'm feeling great. I'm beating Habib right here. He, he can lie to you, but we're in church. Or on a regular basis. I mean, feeling good about life. Two days later, I, I wake up with a pain in my side. What's going on? And you know me, I'm tough. I ain't going to a hospital. You know, my mom's a doctor. I call her mom, and I said, Tony, that don't sound right. You need to go to the hospital. My mom will be all right. So I lay around all day. I'm like, man, I'm not going. And that pain got really, really bad. She said, Tony, go now. So I got up and I went. My kidney had failed. So I went from being beaten Habib two days before to nearly being dead two days later. Some of the most excruciating pain I've ever been through, some feelings, some things that you just don't experience. You don't know what that feels like. I think I really know when they say the nine of the teeth in hell, I think I understand that a lot better. Because I had about a seven or eight hour period, no matter what I did, I couldn't get comfortable. I imagine him probably like that, where it's just bad the entire time. So, you know, that wasn't the worst part of it. The worst part of it was this. I told you, I'm in recovery. And I worked this thing hard as best of my ability, and God has helped me with a whole lot. And, and this is a really frustrating thing. This is going to sound weird to y'all, y'all, but this is what happened to me. I was mad that I was going to have to accept it. I was like, forget that, God. See, I already knew I was going to accept it. I knew I've been in recovery too long. You've got to accept everything. I tell you, there's some signs of recovery we're not telling you about that aren't all that great. But have to accept everything, man, it can be hard. And I didn't want to accept this. And I'm getting all those calls and those nice texts, and it's wonderful. I appreciate everybody. This is going to sound like so bad, but really, I was tired of y'all. <laughs> Oh, Tony, it's going to be okay. It could have been so much worse. You could have died. You know, all those, and people mean, mean well. I'm like, man, y'all can go jump in a lake. My life has been changed. And it was tough. Because I went from somebody very bribing, working out every day, playing basketball, to somebody had a hard time just walking from one place to another. And in my magical mind, because of these beliefs I thought about, and everything's such a big deal, I thought it was going to be like that forever. I figured this is just the way it's going to be. And I'm not okay with God. I've been through my dad leaving addiction, trauma here, trauma there, had all these questions with God, and and they've been tough. This one was the hardest. Because in my mind, I'm asking God this question. Damn it, God, haven't I been through enough? Why one more thing, God? Why? Haven't I done, haven't I done all my trials, God? Am I living right for you? Aren't I doing my best? Why? Man, if it wasn't for the mystery of all this, man, I don't know if I can make it. Because, you know, I went from being that to slowly getting better, to slowly getting better. Now I can actually play a little bit of basketball. So, Habib, I'm ready. <laughs> getting back to working out again. Getting back to, I don't necessarily feel myself. I'm on dialysis three times a week. If y'all don't know what that is, I sit in the chair for three hours, a, uh, three days a week for three hours at a time, and they drain the blood out of me, 
and they run it through a machine and put the blood back in me. I start it one way, leave it a different way. It's really weird, <laughs> to say the least. And I have this tube. I don't know if y'all noticed, I'm not so subconscious, and, I, and really I can be sort of vain, and this tube sticks out of my chest, and I can't really hide it. Most of y'all have probably haven't not noticed it, but I've been thinking about it all night. Everybody's seen the tube, everybody's seen the tube, everybody's seen the tube. <laughs> So this mystery, you know, there's sometimes I get this little inkling, I'm starting to kind of see something, like, no, God, this, this couldn't be for my good, God, no, this couldn't be for my good, and there's something that's starting to show, and I don't know what it is yet, but what I know in my heart is that he's working things out that these tragedies, that these things that happen to me that always seem to be problems, if I just hold on, like that scripture said, it's the scripture said, your eyes are windows into your body. If you open your eyes wide in wonder and belief, your body is filled with light. So as we get ready to close tonight, and I, and, I, and I hope I was able to bring some of that together, but to try to tie this all together for what we've just been through. I love uh, what Miss Kathy just said about Easter is a lot longer than I once thought it was, because that goes with this, because I want to talk about a little bit about Easter. You know, I want to talk about the crucifixion, but what I really want to talk about is the resurrection. And how does that relate to what we go through? How does this help me deal with the core beliefs? See, in my book, they tell us old ideas avail us nothing. They teach us how to let go of some of those core beliefs. And it's not that our core beliefs aren't right. The teachers have to have this option like, Tony, maybe you're right, but maybe you're wrong. Maybe everything you believe about God, Jesus, the world, men, women, work, all of it. Because I have some strong opinions on it, each and every, each and every one of those. What recovery has taught me is to be like, yeah, Tony, you know what? You could be right. Well, maybe you're wrong. Is it possible, Tony, that you're actually wrong? So I had a sponsor that started listing all my wrongs. He goes, Tony, you know, you just think like this, you just think like that. And he showed me how wrong I've been in my thinking for years. And he gave me such a gift, Tony, is it possible? And these things that we hold so close to our heart that we think that are so true, maybe they're wrong. Can you open your mind up that much so maybe you can live in this world amongst people with some peace? This resurrection allows me to do that. It allows me on a daily basis I can start brand new. But I'm going to read it how we read it from the big book. And this is from page 62. We're going to go on to 63. This is the how and why of it. First of all, we had to quit playing God. It didn't work. Next, we decided to be, we decided that hereafter in this drama, this drama called life, God was going to be our director. He is the principal, we are his agent. He is the father and we are his children. Most good ideas are simple. And this concept was the keystone to a new and triumphant arc through which we pass to freedom. When we sincerely took such a position, all sorts of remarkable things followed. We found a new employer. Being all-powerful, he provided what we needed. If we kept him close, 
and performed his work well. Established on such a footing, we became less and less interested in ourselves, our little plans, and our designs. And more and more, we became interested in seeing what we could contribute to life. As we felt new power flow in, as we enjoyed peace of mind, as we, as we discovered we could face life successfully, as we became conscious of his presence, we began to lose our fear of today, tomorrow, and the hereafter. We were reborn. So those days when I wake up with those questions and I wake up with those doubts, I can remember that. At any time, my father, my director, said, Tony, you can be born again right now. You can come up with a whole new set of questions. You can change the script anytime you want to. That's what this resurrection means to me. I don't have to be stuck in my own ways. And if I get stuck in a place now and I can change, there's always a way out. Man, there are miracles sitting around, y'all. Miracles. And I've been fortunate enough being here for nine years to witness a lot of them. So when I have those questions, when I have those doubts, I have hope with skin on me, around me everywhere, where I can look and be like, I knew you. Yeah, Jesus is real. If you came from where you are to where you are today, that answers a lot of questions for me. And for the ones that I still have and the ones that I'm still confused with, I bring them to y'all, I bring them to church, and I bring them to him. And I no longer worry about being smited because I can tell you what it all comes down to for me. As we go through all this, what all this always breaks down for me in my life is this one question. Jesus, do you really love me? That's the one question that I'm always wrestling with. And even though he's poured me out of so much, miracle after miracle after miracle, he's provided so much love in my life, I still have that question. But the answer always is, always is, yes, Tony, I love you. Thank you all.